Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus and welcome in, everybody, to a Game 3 unfortunate post-game show. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by EP Ringside, Chap Shots, D-Magazines, Sean Shapiro. And, you know, we have to do these, good or bad. And, uh, unfortunately, tonight was bad, Mr. Shapiro. I will say this. We also look back at Game 3 against Minnesota, and that was probably the worst game the Stars played in the first round. So... I will say that, you know, after that game, the Stars were clearly the better team and won the series. So maybe that happens against Seattle. But tonight after the Haskinen injury, it just fell apart. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's two there's two things to this, right? First is the script is eerily similar on one hand to the Minnesota series. You lose game one in overtime. You come back. You respond pretty well in game two. You go on the road and you kind of get kicked, you get the teeth kicked in a little bit in game three. Um, so the script is on that front is very similar to the Minnesota series. Now, the one thing that we're waiting for, and we're recording this live, so we don't have data yet. And I've got Twitter open and I'll see if we get any updates while it's going on and everything like that. But the nature of the Miro Hashkinen injury changes a lot for this series. Honestly, um, we saw, we all, we've always talked and we've always, I've written, we've spoken about how important Miro Heishkin is to this Dallas stars team. And the goal, um, in the first, in the second period, two ten in puck to his face, Jordan Eberle scores. I mean, it's a, a goal is a goal. That's fine. I'm not, yeah. but the, but the, the injury, the injury and you saw basically how much 
both on an emotional level, how much the stars were shaken without Heishkinen. And then you also saw it on a completely tactical level where, I mean, Seattle, the stars couldn't get the puck out of their zone. They couldn't stop Seattle's transition. Um, I, uh, I look at zone entries where it goes like, I mean, it's the first time of, in, in, of all the playoff games I've, I've tracked for the stars this year. It's the first, that second period was the first time where they've allowed a team to have more uh, clean zone entries than Dumpins. And I mean, no, I don't exactly timestamp the total before and after the Miro injury, but obviously he was only, he only played a minute or whatever it was in the second period. So that's, that's, that's your difference right there. So um, hopefully we get an update while this show is going on so we can provide that as that goes on. But I mean, the fact that it was also weird, the fact that we, we saw how rough the stars looked without him. And then I really, I know it was a, I know it was a blowout. I know it was five, one going into the third, but the fact that he doesn't return and earlier in the game uh, on the TBS broadcast, it's Patrick Sharp said he, he was told that I think it was either Elaine Nazardine or Steve spot told him that the, uh, he was just getting stitched up and he'd be back. And the fact that he isn't back is just, and then, and then we get the update in the third period that he's not going to return because of an upper body injury. Well, we all saw where the puck hit him into the head. So, um, Miro's health, I mean, so much hinges on that. And I, I, it's, it's one of those things where if he's fine and they were just playing it cool and like, we don't need him in for the third period, then it's still a series. It's just two to one. You follow the script for Minnesota. If Ishkinen is, if there's something more here, you start to get worried. I, it seemed as though Seattle saw something on tape that some other teams prior to the playoffs have seen as far as that pass up the middle and the stretch pass trying to catch the, uh, I know that the stars defense has a tendency to pinch and pinch hard at times, but wow, it feel like Seattle was trying to do this. And they highlighted it on TV that Seattle was just trying to do the stretch pass all night. Over and over again. I mean, it was, there was, there's seven goals, right? So it's hard to keep all in track right now. So I'd have to go through my notes still. But I mean, there was a couple that 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 came directly off that play. Um, it's it's something where we saw tonight. We uh, it's kind of we saw the uh, we saw a couple players in particular exposed on it. Um, Ryan Suter does not uh when Ryan Suter's playing with Miro Heishkin and he doesn't get burned on that play as much because Miro Miro drifts so well and takes it away. And the minute that Miro was no longer with Ryan Suter, Suter just got burned on it quite a bit. Um Hockenpah and Lundell got burned on it quite a few times. Um it's obviously it's also not just a defensive it's I mean it's a defensive thing, but it's also not just a defender thing. It is also a space that is uh reliant on on the forwards too i mean as for as good as they were in the first period and they they ended up having and actually they didn't have i guess they didn't have the goal because it was a marchman dadanoff combination but the domi felski 
uh, Archman line got 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 sliced and diced defensively in, in the second period there by things like that. I mean, it was uh, it's a it's again one of those things where like hopefully the update comes out oh that we just kept Miro out for the third period because the game was in hand, but it was another thing that other teams have seen it during the regular season, but it was something you could live with because you had someone who played it well. The stars don't have any defensemen who play it well right now. Just it's, 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 it's definitely something that just expect more and more of it from Seattle going forward right now. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting because prior to the Haskin injury, I didn't think the stars were outplaying Seattle, but I thought they were semi level with Seattle and withstood the heavy crowd noise. And, you know, the first period actually wasn't bad at all. Um, and, you know, let's talk about Jake Ottinger's play. Yeah, I, yeah. I look at, I look at Ottinger like the quarterback and uh, absolutely there were two, three goals that usually he stops and did not have the great game tonight, but you know, I mean, has to come up bigger in these moments, but at the same time, goalies are going to have bad games, and this was one of them, but I look at it similar to to the quarterback. There were a lot of things that went wrong tonight, and Jake Ottinger was just one of them. Yeah, I mean, Ottinger has to be better. Um, it's, yep. it's, it's one of those spaces where um, Ottinger say the Miro injury happens and, and and we assume the first goal is a fact of life. Right. Um, I mean, he's better. Dallas gets out of that can, should be getting out of the period at three, one, maybe two, one, if he makes a couple tough saves and it's like, I mean, it's, it's, he was, I mean, the entire team got bullied tonight and, and pushed around. Yeah from this from the about three minutes left in the first period forward on. Um, but Ottinger has to be better. That's just, that's just a reality of it. And the thing I didn't like about Ottinger was the, there was kind of a, to use the terminology, there's a lack of like connectivity in his game tonight, almost. And you saw it even in the first period where there's a couple times where he made saves he would make some saves in the first period, but the rebound dispersal and where it went afterwards wasn't the same automatic, clean movement the way we've seen from Ottinger when he was playing well and from what we saw in game two and everything like that. So that's more of my concern. Um, I like that they... I like that they went to Wedgwood in the third period. The game was over, honestly. Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. And and I, I like that that gives that reset because I think there's, there's nothing Jake Ottinger can do in that third period that will better fix him for game four. The best thing possible is to take a step back. And I think they made that decision um, on the goaltending front the right way. I was talking to some people and they kept texting. Now do you pull Ottinger? Now do you pull Ottinger? And I said, you pull him for rest. I said, but my thing is, is like, don't expect Wedgwood to come in and be brilliant. I mean, it's, oh, it is, yeah. it is what it is, it, oh, you know? Um, but I agree with you for the rest. And I'm hoping fingers crossed that, you know, the fact that sharp spoke to um, the stars assistant coaches, and they said that Hashkinen was going to return. And then I'm hoping it was a score thing. Let's rest them. Um, but we will, uh, 
we will certainly uh, find yeah, out soon. We do have we do have so while we're so um, you've probably see, if you're listening you've probably seen this update, but it's a non update from Pete DeBoer. It said so the direct quote from Pete DeBoer says don't have anything yet. Obviously didn't come back. Pretty bad cut. We'll know more tomorrow. So just get ready for the next two days of we'll know more tomorrow because um, I imagine this is. Well, I know this is playoff hockey time and they are going to be, they're going to be, uh, they're not going to divulge much about his health from until, until uh, Tuesday night. Now they're going to be very, they, they may answer questions about whether he's in the concussion protocol or not. And I don't know if anyone asked that follow-up or not, but um, so, but the fact of the matter is, kind of a non-update. So it, it still keeps us in that kind of question of where is Heishkinen? What are we going to see for game four? And I, uh, and maybe they were just playing to the score. And if that was the, the right decision, I don't have an issue with that. I just hope that I don't, I don't, the other thing that's weird to me, Gavin, about that interview between, and I, I, I think Patrick Sharp does a good job, mm-hmm. but I also wonder where like sometimes those interviews with assistant coaches to the sideline reporter, I don't know how uh, authentic, not authentic, but how official they really should be counted as. Right. Because there's a reason like, so to give you, to give you an example, um, the stars are one of the much more media friendly teams actually. Um, Jim Nill's really good about making people available and everything like that. But, but Pete DeBoer doesn't um, in general, Pete DeBoer general doesn't generally doesn't want his assistant coaches talking to the media because he wants it as a united front. It's say just his decisions. Like I'm the head coach. Um, I'm the representation for this team. I will take the, I will answer for everything. It's a, and I, I have no issue with Pete DeBoer taking that approach. Um, I at least understand where he's coming from on that. Um, he does allow assistant coaches to do like some of the interviews with the TV and the, the, like the broadcasters before the game. But other than that, he is very much a, this is my, I'm the, it, it, kind of, it goes back to a lot of his background. He was a law school. He went to law school. He, he stands, he represents his team. And so I, I wonder sometimes when I hear things of like, Hey, Elaine Nazardine or Steve spot told me this, not that I don't believe that they're true, I just wonder sometimes how official that became, how official that is. Did they, was the, like that, that, do you understand where I'm going with that? Where yeah, just, absolutely. Like, like, like it, it's something where it gets passed off as, Hey, this is, this is a fact of life that was passed on and, and he'll come back. But I think there's a proper context that needs to be more, that probably need to be relayed that, you know what? Typically the assistant coaches aren't dealing with that decision at all. That's always more of a Pete DeBoer and his medical staff thing. And so they could have seen him getting stitched up and, but that's, so that's where I'm going with that. I'm not accusing anyone of hiding anything. I just think that's, there's a context that needs to be added to that for all of our listeners. And I'm not accusing anyone of favoritism, but I did think, you know, Patrick Sharp knows people on that bench. Yeah. So maybe, um, you know, maybe he got tipped in that direction. I, I you yeah. know, I, I, I don't know. I thought his analysis tonight was terrific. I thought the three of them called an excellent game. Um, you know, I'm really impressed with them this series. Once again, we, 
you know, I'm impressed with the whole TNT crew. I think it's cool that they took talk it back. Um, because, you know, tonight I thought he offered some great analysis having played Seattle several times. So, you know, going into that building and then explaining what Seattle brings to the table. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was unique rather than just a retired player bringing something to the table. Yeah. I, I thought tonight was, I thought there was some good things on the broadcast tonight. Um, I would have liked a, a little bit more in-depth examination for the national audience of Tashkinen's impact. I think that's something where, um, I think I think that's something that was kind of could have been provided a little bit more tonight, um, just because you and I and the stars audience knows how important it is. But I felt like in a game where Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, or something like that got hurt, I feel like yeah. there would have been a little bit better of a uh, of, of a breakdown of of his of his of his impact. So um, I, I think that's um, I, I would look at. I would have liked to see a little bit more from that, but overall, I mean, I thought there was, I like seeing a current coach on the panel and talk it. I like that he's back on there. I think it's, it's definitely a good, it's a, it's a good piece. Um, I, the one thing I would have liked to see more of from um, Patrick Sharp actually would have been a little bit more of, there are times I, I don't I don't want people to always rely on the I played the game I played with this guy stuff. But when you have it, I think there's some more things he could have maybe used from um, like, for example, he was teammates with Jamie Ben and Jamie Alexiak. I felt like he could have given a little bit more on some things like that. And I'm just yeah. nitpicking. I'm just nitpicking right now. That's yes, yeah. that's, that's the reality yeah. of it. Yeah. And Jamie Alexiak's having a good series. Yeah. Um, you know, one one of the things that I mean, we continue to discuss it and. Maybe it's on the back of an old milk carton, but <laughs> I wish the broadcast had concentrated and maybe shown some of Jason Robertson and his ineffectiveness. Um, because to me, that's the stories of the series. Matty Beneers kind of woke up tonight and had a really nice game. Um, he had been struggling in the playoffs. Uh, Jason Robertson just, you know, I mean, there were times that I was thinking, okay, maybe he's playing a little bit better, but he's just not that standout player that we've seen during the regular season. And I mean, that's kind of the obvious statement, but you know, when you have a player of that magnitude and if we're going to consider him top five, top 10 in the league, you know, you got to step up in these situations and you, you just have to be a difference maker. And he's not only not a difference maker, he's just kind of disappeared, Sean. I mean, he had a couple chances. Yeah. The game was a blowout, but that's it. Like he's just, it's been, he's been so noticeably absent where you almost look at it and you wonder how is this team where they are, where he's been this version of himself absent and they missed Joe Pavelski for the entire first round. Like the fact the stars reached it, he reached it this way. Like it is, I've said it on this 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 podcast before. It really just comes down to Jason Robertson. Just he he has to. It, this is on Jason Robertson. Like I, I hate the idea where it's. I mean, I got. I think next game you have to throw things yep. into the blender and f figure stuff out. I think. Um, I, I think maybe. I don't know. I, I was thinking of it. I know everyone kind of says, let's, let's, let's go and put, uh, let's put Pavelski, let's switch Sagan and Pavelski together 
put, put switch them back and everything like that. But I don't know, Gavin, what do you think of, what do you, what would you think of the idea of switching Pavelski and Hints? Cause I was thinking about that where like right now you have, you have Marchment and, uh, and and Domi are starting to find a little bit offensively. Um, obviously, tonight's game was a little bit bad defensively, but they're starting to find a little bit offensively. And maybe if you put uh, kind of a burner with them and Hints, and maybe and we we know Hints can get going by himself. And maybe we need to try something completely new and go Sagan with Robertson and Pavelski, and it becomes a little bit more of a methodical Jason Robertson type line where they're going to create in the half court, create in the half set. They're going to create that way. And we shift the folks to that type of offense for that line, as opposed to let's just defer to rope hints. Cause that's what Jason Robertson's doing right now. And so, I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas at a wall yeah. and see what sticks. So I, I'm definitely open to that. And I would not be surprised if Pete DeBoer put Joel Hanley back in if Hashkinen's healthy enough. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Based based on, you know, Colin Miller did not have a great game tonight. Um, but and you know, he threw that in last series, so I'd expect him to throw that in as well. So you know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's just an ugly game. But I mean, I I also can't this series has mirrored Minnesota series. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to hit the panic button. Um, they're down two one. They were down two one against Minnesota. Same thing happened in the first game. Same thing happened in the second game. Same thing happened in the third game. So I think the stars can clearly bounce back. I just, you know, one of the things that I was thinking of is in the last game, Sean, after in the post game, I made the statement, if the stars play this way that I feel as though they can be in the Stanley cup. And what I meant by that was the sustained physicality. And I know it's not something easy um, to do. It takes effort. It takes will. And sometimes it breaks your own style. Maybe Seattle, that's just a major part of their style, similar to Minnesota, but I just felt as though, you know, they really threw Seattle off their game with their physical nature in game two. And I just thought it kind of disappeared in game three. Yeah, it's, I think the stars got, oh, there, there's two parts. I mean, there's the big breaking point in the game tonight, which is the Eberle goal combined with the Hayskinen injury. Yeah. The, um, the other thing to me that I think to give Seattle credit, um, the stars had more shot, had more shot attempts, uh, not more shots, but more shot attempts and more offensive flow in the first, in the first 15 minutes of the game. But Seattle did such a great job clogging the middle of the ice, clogging the lane. Uh, they blocked a ton of shots in the first period. And I think to give Seattle credit, they swung momentum in that way in kind of, creating better like the way that the way they limited dallas's transition in the first period i think that came back to frustrate dallas um and so you had those little like underlying pieces of frustration that became that become big frustrations where it's like when the dam breaks on the injury then everything starts falling apart and and it's just like you saw the jake ottinger would never admit this gavin but i wonder how much 
what the emotional toll of and the mental toll of seeing we, we talked about him being a, a physical like a sharp sharp dude with really with like who's always in it mentally and everything like that but he's also a human and there's something about seeing your best player yep. taking off the ice and laying on laying, laying kind of prone like that two feet in front of you like I it's he would never admit it, but I think there is an emotional toll of that. And so um you could see, I mean, the entire stars bench was just deflated after that one. And it's the only I mean, really, like other than Evgeny Dadanov, who showed who else showed up in the second period? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought Ty Delandria showed up in the first period, but then yeah, kind yeah. of disappeared after uh you're right you're absolutely right there are a lot of people that didn't show up just for clarification and you can build upon this sean i'm sure there are people that were out there saying the nhl should have stopped um, before everly scored the goal the way i'm reading it is the following if the player's team is in control of the puck at the time of injury play shall be stopped immediately unless his team is in a scoring position so the stars were not in possession of the puck and Seattle clearly was in position uh, for a scoring position in the zone with possession of the puck, therefore no stoppage of play. So it was, it was the right call, but I wanted to clarify it for stars fans wondering why the whistle didn't blow at that point. Yeah, I don't, it's if, if, if they had blown it dead, um, I, I would have been okay with it, but I also, I, I don't think you take goals. I mean, hockey's a weird game. Yeah. There's weird bounces. And um I think with the bang bang nature of that play, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Um I, I I'm really am. It's it's not like the puck hits Hashkinen, he goes down. Um and they're cycling and, or and something there's, like that. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's right Everly's right there. It's yeah. not like he kicked the puck back to the point or the corner. Like if they did that and he's still down, I want it blown dead, but it's right there. It's bang, bang. And then all of a sudden, like, I, I don't want, I, I don't want a guy. I don't want a guy. I don't want the referees to be blowing the whistle because a guy takes a shot high and goes down and he's not hurt, but he's just a little bit slow to get up or whatever, because it's like, I don't. So, I, I don't I don't mind the goal. I have no I actually have no issue with the goal. It's it's an unlucky bounce that happens. But look at it from a star's perspective. If that puck hits uh if that puck hits uh Matty Beneers in the face or yep. or Jaden Schwartz in the face or Jan, or Carson Soucy in the face and you take that goal away from Joe Pavelski, you're pissed about it, but it was you'd be really pissed about it and it would be the it would be the wrong call. So I think taking that goal away would have been the wrong call. Um, it's it's just an unfortunate bounce, and unfortunate bounces happen sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunate that you and I are right as far as players to watch out for. You were highlighting Jordan Everly, and we were talking about him on the Spits and Suds podcast, and I brought up Yanni Gord, and yeah. they both um, have had great series thus far. So passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, 
power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From your perspective, having watched all your years covering the NHL, what do you think happens in the room, the psychology? You're still in Seattle. You have a day off in between. Um, you know, do you can you just forget about it? It's just one of those things that – you come back to the rink tomorrow. Um, and the other thing is this team has shown a quiet confidence all year. And they did bounce back from that game three in Minnesota. So what would be your thoughts if you were Pete DeBoer and from your experience covering the NHL, how teams rebound from these sorts of things? Yeah, I mean, this is the game where I don't think anything – I don't think anything needs to be said after the game tonight, honestly. Um, the, everyone in that room will understand what happened tonight was unacceptable. Um, Pete DeBoer ripping into the team or going after them is not going to do anything tonight. Um, the captains and the leadership group may have a, a discussion as a team and, and, and do something like that, but it'll be more... I think more constructive than anything. That's kind of how this team is run. This is how Jamie Ben's leadership style is. It's not as much of a, um, Jamie will put a lot of this on himself. Jamie is someone and one of the reasons that guys love playing with Jamie Ben is Jamie will never ask a teammate to do something he wouldn't do himself. And so there'll be the stars leadership group will have the discussion with the rest of the team about, how they needed to be better, how they needed to do more. And that will start with Jamie. And I think there'll be, I don't know how it's, it's like, it's a playoff series and there's only, there's only a day between games. It's not like, it's not like a, it's not like you can run a full practice tomorrow. That's going to fix the issues. If anything, you may exasperate them. I, I think it becomes a, tomorrow becomes a, hard film session day where you're going through like, okay, this is how Seattle adjusted. This is how they're burning. This This is how we need to be better. And then you, I think you print, you play, um, you, you figure out and you prep your, your defensemen for two things. You prevent, you prep the rest of the defense for two things and the rest of the team for two things. You prep them for the situation as a coach, you owe it to yourself to do it the right way you prep yourself for the situation where there is a Miro Heishkin in game four and the situation where there isn't a Miro Heishkin in game four. I think you do that tomorrow. I think that way 
no matter what the decision from the doctors is and what the clearance is, it's not, there's no panic to be made on actual the day of game four. So I think tomorrow becomes you bring all the defensemen in, you, you sit down, you have your meeting. Okay, this is what we need to do better. If Miro's not in, we need to do this. If Miro is in, we need to do this better. I think you need to tackle that tomorrow so there's not the emotion of whether Miro is in or out is impacting game four. In the argument where shots on goal matter, the Stars outshot the Seattle Kraken 26 to 25. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it was, well. I mean, it is yeah. what it is. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's one game and um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's one of the, it's one of those things that, you know, they were beat in every aspect of the game. And, and the, the, the best part is, is Tuesday night, you can, beat the crack in there and you come back two two and you know, then you have two out of the next three at your house. So, um, I think, you know, I mean, this Kraken team is, uh, you know, proven that they're kind of special this year and that they have a lot of fight in them. a la the Florida Panthers in the Eastern conference, <laughs> which <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is, uh, fun to watch. And they went up three Oh against, uh, Against a very good Toronto Maple Leafs. And and then the, you know, the Devils blew out Carolina. So, I mean, you know, that's that's the playoffs. Um, you know, did you get to chance to watch Edmonton Vegas the other night? I did. I did. And it's I mean, playoffs have been fun, right? Like it's been. Yeah, it's been. I mean, it's Edmonton. What they're doing on the power play right now is absolutely ridiculous, right? Yeah. It's, it's clicking at something like 56% or something like that. Like something that's like better than video game numbers. Like, like, right. like what they're doing right now is ridiculous. And um, the other thing too, and I know it's been not doom and gloomy, but it's been, it's been just quite honest about like, I, if, if Miro Hishkinen is unavailable for game four, I'm very concerned about the star's ability to win this series, but, um, to be clear, it's two one. The series is two one. You're mm-hmm. it's you had the Devils were down two zero last series in round one against the Rangers in one in seven games. The Stars were down two one last series against Minnesota. Um, Panthers were down three one against yep, Boston. Yep, Edmonton was down against LA two one in their series in the last round. It's like it's very much is a re-rack and go back for game four because if you don't look at it that way, you're letting game three become more than you need to let it become. And I think that's that's a huge thing. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I do want to, it is is funny, Gavin, and I want to kind of, it is funny because it happened tonight, I want to touch on it, and it's not obviously... Not in Stars Land, but over in Florida tonight. Obviously, Florida wins in overtime against against Tampa. But it goes up goes up three zero and everything like that. And obviously, Florida still has to get game number win number four to close them out and everything like that. But 
is winning around the playoffs if if you win around to the playoffs but you don't win a second you don't win a single game in the second round did you really do it it's it's, it's almost <laughs> it's almost it's like it's like it's like the if a tree falls in the forest like like that it's kind of what the maple leaves feel like right now so <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh that's true ah boy if they sweep them that is that is amazing i mean just that picture of the maple leaves fans in toronto just still after the game like in shock mm -hmm. um i mean they're on a roll right now Bobrovsky's, wow i mean he is playing amazing right now he's back to columbus sergey Bobrovsky. um we always knew that florida had a collection of talent but they really didn't excel like a lot of people thought they would during the regular season and you know, it was it was brought up um, uh, tonight by uh, Greg Finley, who produces this podcast that and I had totally kind of forgot this. If Pittsburgh doesn't lose to the Chicago Blackhawks and Pittsburgh wins, Florida's not even in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's I was uh, I remember right around the time that happened. I was because uh, I'm in a I'm in a playoff playoff pool with a bunch of other media members and it was at the time it was before things had been completely finalized and uh, it had pittsburgh had just had that loss to chicago and but there was pittsburgh still like needed one other mathematical thing to go against them or whatever it was to to not uh, to be officially eliminated and i remember there was a whole debate of like ah, does someone try to snag crosby in this playoff fantasy pool because but then the blackhawks killed all of that so yeah i mean they're the Panthers are the perfect example, though, of sometimes, and I've used this example a couple times, and I may have used this on this podcast. If I have, if I have, I apologize, but I think it's such a great example. The Panthers are the perfect example of sometimes you need the practice tests to pass the real test. And the Boston Bruins didn't have the practice test. The Panthers have been, they had, they've been in playoff mode for three weeks before like full blown playoff mode for three weeks before the real playoff started. And you're seeing it now and, and things like that. So I don't know the fact that they're up, the fact that, that, that they could potentially sweep Toronto is it's objectively hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... Yeah. And the fact that they haven't been home, this was their first, you know, they have not been home. They stayed in the Boston area and then went to Toronto after game seven. So they basically haven't been in Florida for a while now. So that was a long road trip for them. So it's just, it really is a great story. I, I wanted to ask you, and I don't think there is a solution to this, but I'm watching the Edmonton uh, Vegas game last night and clearly a blowout. Yeah. And what started all the physicality as far as the dropping of the gloves was an open ice hit by Vegas and I understand players have to play hard and, and, you know, it doesn't matter what the score is and you need to send a message for the next game, but I don't know, Sean, I, I just felt as though that, that open ice hits and that, you know, I think it's unnecessary that you're lining people up when clearly the game's out of reach. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think there's anything we can do about it, Sean, no, but I just I wanted to I say yeah. like, to me, it's yeah. like, you know, that could have been a poke chick, or, you know, or, a, or just a, you know, a rub of the shoulders or something like that. 
Yeah, I it's it's kind of that weird space, right? Where it's yeah. the game is out of hand and you know you're inciting something by doing it. And I it, it's one of those where I don't I can't be upset about it because I want I do as much as I don't like certain hits and I and things I I still want I still think hitting is a healthy part of is a uh, is a healthy part of the hockey game and so I still want it there so it's it's one I can't really argue against it but I also I very much see your point where it's you need to read the situation and sometimes let bygones be bygones without creating more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the end of, you know, I know the stars toward the end of the game, we're getting a little chippy, but I, I just don't like the, the Max Doney, uh, you know, hit to the back of the knees and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. It's like, come on guys, you know, it, it is what it is, but you know, that's hockey and I don't want the physicality taken away from hockey. So I can't say that and then bring up those topics. But for some reason, it just bugged me because it was the beginning, I think, of four fights. Um, and, and that's one of the things that impresses me about Edmonton now is, is that you're right. The power play is really, really good, but also the physicality and defensively, they're so much better than they have been in years past. Yeah, it's uh <sighs> Edmonton is a monster right now. It's yeah. you have the, I mean, what Drysaddle's doing in the playoffs is historic. You have, and obviously McDavid's the best player in the world, and it's they're doing it where they're kind of they're kind of they're they're it's it's it would be kind of like obviously we for the sake of this podcast and the sake of, of, of our listeners, we obviously don't want that to be the case, but it is, it would be interesting to see from a hockey perspective to, we always, we always hear all oh, in the playoffs. No, you, you can't, the power play can't, it's the dirty goals that will get you there. You can't do this. You can't do that. It would be interesting to see a team do the whole thing with this type of power play, because it, we always get told, we always get told by conventional thinking that, you know what? At some point, you're going to need the dirty goals. At some point, you're going to need this. You're going to need that. The power play is not going to be the power play is not going to be there for you. And Edmonton is completely going against that trend right now. And I just I, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, it's just like now they've two of the best they have two of the best players in the world on their roster on the ice and the power play. But I Vegas is in the regular season was a decent penalty killing team. Like I don't, one of the things that I'm curious to see as we move forward with these power plays and how effective they are, when do teams start? When do teams, when do, when do teams start getting a little bit more creative and throwing basically the proverbial throwing that's the podcast is not live radio throwing shit against the wall to see what sticks. Sure. Like, like when do we get to the point where you're like, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll double team dry. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw two guys on dry side. I'll go three guys through two guys on McDavid. Just, just seriously. Like what I'll, I'll just do that. Like killer Yamamoto me, me beat me like nothing against killer Yamamoto, but yeah. right. Like, like just like, it's just like, okay, I, I, I want it. Like eventually if you're Vegas, what if, what if, why, why don't you just go to that spot eventually? Like, Right. I'd li- I'd like to see 
some more creativity from Vegas and penalty killers in general on maybe trying to adjust to this, at least try something else. Cause right now the current norm is, is uh, puck in the back of the net for Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I was thinking about the dry sidle and Connor McDavid and I was thinking Messier and Gretzky were another duo where Messier was clearly great, but Gretzky was the star. And then the, and it's early, but the um, example I came up with was Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio. And the Mick got a lot of the credit, but Joe DiMaggio was clearly one of the best baseball players of all time. So I just wonder, you know, I mean, just it's it's all hypothetical, Sean, but I mean, Leon Dreisaito plays for Vegas or the L.A. Kings or the Dallas Stars. You know, how good is Leon Dreisaito? I mean, are we are we calling him one of the top three in the NHL? I mean, it's just I don't think he gets overshadowed in Edmonton, but at the same time, you know, it's it's pretty amazing that they have two superstars like that. Yeah, and I, I think Dreisaitl is. I mean, he's a great player. I don't want to. I, I I don't think he's a hundred and twenty eight point player if he's not playing with McDavid, though. I think I think he's. I think that I think that 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 point total is inflated by playing with McDavid. I don't think that's. I don't think that's uh, on the and on the power play. I mean, of his, I just pulled it up of his hundred twenty eight points this year. It's sixty two on the power play. I think a more realistic number is he's probably a hundred point player without McDavid, but McDavid is definitely elevates him quite a bit. I don't think he, um, and so he's a hell of a passer too. Like the, the thing that's most impressive to me about dry in this playoff run has been the goal scoring and not that he, like he has, he's got 50 goals and back-to-back seasons and everything like that. But, but he's a guy who for, for, for my money, Dreisaitl is someone who makes his living and, and, and drives can, and when he drives games, it's because of his passing ability and the fact that he's scoring the way he is in the playoffs and the clip he's scoring at that to me is the most impressive part. And that's the part that I would love to like, you'd love to like, try to like isolate. Is that the, is that the outlier or is that the new norm? And I just, it's, it's kind of one of those fun things to, to think about. If, you, if you're an Edmonton fan, it's a fun thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A couple of other hockey notes before we, um, and the Allen Americans changed their mm-hmm. playoff schedule due to the tragedy that happened in Allen yesterday. So game two actually will move out to Idaho. Um, and that will be, uh, this Wednesday, then Friday, they'll play in Idaho game four at Idaho. And so basically more, you know, if there's a game six or seven, it will move back to Allen. So thoughts and prayers Um, there in a tough situation. Uh, The other thing is the Texas stars are in the central Mm -hmm. uh, finals. They will play against Milwaukee and that series starts on Friday. And that leads us to our book plug of the day. And it <laughs> happens to be Sean Shapiro's new book called We Win Here, the definitive essays you need to know yeah. about the Texas stars. So I, um, I, I appreciate that. The, yeah. If you're down and out based yeah. on tonight's game, I mean, the best thing to do, you know, they always say, you know, spend money. It'll make you happy. So <laughs> rather than buying a new pair of shoes, help out our buddy Sean Shapiro and purchase a book. 
I will say this: the Texas Milwaukee series should be a fun one. It's yeah. uh, two good teams. Um, Milwaukee's been Milwaukee is coached by Carl Taylor, who used to be an assistant coach. He was an assistant coach in Texas for a long time before he got the head job in Milwaukee. Um, Greg Rollo, former, uh, former, 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 I think he only played like, I don't know if he ever played a game for Dallas, but Greg Rollo, who was a longtime Texas star and had a big impact. He was kind of Travis Moore and, and Max Fortunis's right-hand man in a way in Texas for a while is an assistant coach with Milwaukee. So a lot of familiarity between the two teams, uh, between the coaching staffs, between the teams um, should be a good series there. And it's uh, it, it is, it is crazy how the scheduling works though with the AHL stuff where it's like Texas is uh, because of logistical travel and cost and everything like that. Like the, this round is still best of five. So even though Texas is the higher seed, they're on the road, but it's a two, three where two games in Milwaukee, three games in Texas. So it's like the Texas stars won't be playing a home game until May 17th. It's a, the, the schedule below the NHL um, is very much uh, reflective of the uh, budget and travel restrictions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And one, and one final thing, Sean. It's I know coaches get paid a lot of money, and being in the NHL, you do financially very well. But mm-hmm. the Gerard Gallant situation is just so fascinating um, that he leads Florida to success, and then out, and then there was that whole controversy of was he left on the street corner, which. Is funny in itself. Then he goes to Vegas, an expansion team, takes him to the Stanley Cup, and they just didn't think that you know he was cutting it, so they fired him. And then he comes to the New York Rangers, and the first season he takes them to, after a year off, he takes them to the conference championship. They're ousted by a very good New Jersey team, and after the game, he was asked about his job security and. He basically gave his resume for his two years in New York and said, you know, why would you ask that question? And then the next day he's out the door. So I would love to know why Um, I'm fascinated. So, you know, if you have any insight, fill me in. So with Gallant, something that's it's 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 and it was always hilarious to me when Stars fans were pushing to hire him a couple of years ago when Rick bonus was the interim coach. Cause Gallant is basically stylistically, he's basically Rick, the way he coaches, the way he runs things. He's basically Rick bonus with a slight, with a slight tweak in beliefs, but really Rick bonus and Gallant are, they're not the schematic guys. They're not the, they're not the schematic guys. They're not the the guys making the chess moves. They're the generals who are motivators. That's what they are. Um, and the very much the same way that Gallant led Vegas to the Stanley Cup final is very much the same way that Rick Bonus helped Dallas get to the Stanley Cup final, where it was he was the understood the right buttons to push and the way to lead that team. Um, Gallant and Bonus are both play, are both coaches when they're when they're the head man who are let their assistants run a lot of the actual 
adjustments, the end game. They're more of the big picture CEO type with the with the assistants, with the where the assistants are handling more of the the day to day. The stars, Pete DeBoer, and it's actually it's actually kind of fit. It's it's it's, it's pretty funny that Pete DeBoer actually followed both of them because Pete DeBoer is kind of the opposite. Pete DeBoer is obviously a head coach and he's in charge of everything, but Pete DeBoer is much more of a schematic hands-on um, hands-on. This is the way to do this. I'm going to make these changes and doesn't leave it to his assistant coaches. Pete relies on his assistant coaches, but he is way more hands-on in the in-game change in making the lineup change in doing this things where, where Gallant and bonus are very sim are more like, they basically let the assistants make decisions and they kind of co-sign them. And that's kind of what it's. So I always laughed. I, I mean, just because I always, people would in Dallas, you remember it, Gavin, people would be like, Oh, oh like, I was raising bring, my hand, but let, I wanted let, him. Yeah, <laughs> I'll admit let, it. I'll like, admit man, it. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring Gallant. Let's bring Gallant. And, and it's, and it's not that he would have been a bad coach. He's just, I think he's a motivator. He's a, he's a general. And those in, and that style of coaching doesn't have the greatest shelf life. Just, I mean, we saw Rick bonuses. We saw Rick bonuses shelf life in Dallas was short is we saw how things are going to end in Winnipeg. And I mean, I know he's still going to be the coach in Winnipeg next year, but if he's still the coach in Winnipeg after next season, I'd be surprised. Um, so I Gallant will get another job just because it's the Nate, it's the nature of the beast and everything. Now, it feels like Calgary to me, right? Like, like if he's not in, like, I would almost like if I'm betting right now, I would yeah. like, it seems like Calgary would be the fit for him next. Um, if, if, if you're the Rangers, what it's also funny too, from the perspective, if you're the Rangers, you went and you, you got Tarasenko, you got Patrick Kane, he went and got all these big names and everything like that. And he didn't really like, like it feels like Gallant is the fall guy, right? Like, totally. like he, he's the fall guy here where it's like, you mortgaged okay, your future. Yeah. Like you've got, and, and you're, and you've developed, you've, you've made some high picks for guys who have not really turned like, like Lafreniere is a fine player. Lexi Lafreniere is a fine player, but, if I tell you Alexi Lafreniere is a number one pick, all of a sudden I'm like, Oh boy. Like that mm -hmm. was like, that's who you got with the number one pick. Like that's, that's where things start to get, start to fall apart. I mean, it's, there's a story um, way back when this goes all the way back to 2018. Sorry. Yes. No, 2018. So I remember talking to Jim Montgomery. This was in the time um, Jim Montgomery had was in first couple months of the stars coach in 2018. And obviously we all know Montgomery's tenure in Dallas ended in quite a dramatic fashion. But when Jim Montgomery um, took the Dallas job in 2018, it was, and there was, he basically picked Dallas over the Rangers job. Um, he, 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 he was give he, he had the choice between the two and he took the Dallas job over the Rangers job. And I remember him telling me of at the time where the Rangers went and hired David Quinn and they said like, Oh, there's a, they're committing to the rebuild and yada, 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 yada. 
I mean, Monty literally in that time almost predicted what was going to happen in the future. He told me it's like one of the reasons he looked at Dallas was a more desirable job than New York was the Dallas job. The GM Jim Nill is going to be here and he's going to be part. He's going to, he's going to be both responsible for his decisions and he's going to, and he's loyal. Where in New York, even though they say they're, they remember they sent out that ridiculous letter, yeah. right? Like you said, even though in New York, where they're going to, they say they're committing to the rebuild, someone's going to be the fall guy. Yeah. And it's probably going to be David Quinn. I mean, Jim Montgomery told me that in 2018. That's why he didn't take the Rangers job back then. And he took the Dallas job instead. And so it's just, someone's going to keep being the fall guy because ownership's never been the fall guy. We've seen how the NBA franchises run. Ownership's never going to be the fall guy there. The uh, So it's going to be, it's it's it, this time it's Gerard Gallant. The next, I mean, Chris Drury's the GM there. He's gonna have to pull some rabbits out of his hat soon too, because he, he he's next on the list. So yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. it also it also doesn't help that you know that stings too for to lose to. It's not just losing to the Devils, who are your. Hudson River rival and everything like that, who Rangers fans try to treat with little brother gloves and everything like that. But you lost to the Devils. You lost to your former assistant coach in Lindy Ruff because he had been in New York before. And we're at the spot where like 94, like I hate to say this because it's going to make us both feel really old. Like got a lot of fan base where I say, Oh, they won the Stanley cup in 94. Like, that's the equivalent of winning for 50 and as winning is in 54 as like yes, as, the Dallas Cowboys. Exactly. So <laughs> a lot of comparisons there because yeah. they are one of the more popular teams yeah. in the NHL. So yeah, yeah it's uh, I just wanted to get your opinion on Gerard yeah. Gallant. Uh, and that's, I mean, this is the stars post game show. However, uh, I do, you know, when things happen in the league, I like to bring it up because you also, are our NHL guru. It was also a seven-two game, so I I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Speaking of which, we're going to go to bed, and we will see you. This is going to sound weird tomorrow night as yes. we tape this. Yes, <laughs> in the yeah. overnight. So we will see you tomorrow night. Hopefully, a Stars uh, bounce back game game four so they can tie it at two but thank you for staying with us and uh thank you once again the numbers came out in april and uh once again spits and suds record numbers and uh truly appreciate it and a lot of those big number podcasts have come on post game shows so thank you for supporting this and it uh, really inspires us to keep doing this after the game so uh stick tap to you the spits and suds listener we truly appreciate you for sean shapiro our nhl group i'm gavin spittle of 105.3 the fan we will talk to you tomorrow night have a great day everyone